0: Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast that is as entertaining as the Punjab Kings in the final overs of a T20 game. I'm your host Benny, and this week, me and fellow co-host Mayank were joined by Anam Nadeem, a Pakistani freelance sports writer and digital content creator. We spoke with Anam about one of the most eventful weeks in cricket this year, the pullouts of the New Zealand and England squads from their tours to Pakistan, the impact of global events on Afghanistan cricket and the announcement of gender-neutral terminology by the MCC. All this and more, right after this. Hello, Anam. Welcome to The Last Wicket. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Uh, It's a pleasure.
0: Yeah, you know, we would have loved to have you on to chat about uh, happier things in cricket, Uh, but we probably have to save that for uh, another time, you know, next time you come back on. Um, But let's get into it. You know, the biggest news of the past week has been the withdrawal of the New Zealand and England uh, teams from their planned and finalized tours to Pakistan. And, you know, this has understandably caused a lot of anger and frustration, among uh, the Pakistan fans and you know our good friend Atif Nawaz even went as far to call it a betrayal um, and even the reactions of the Pakistan board chairman Ramiz Raja has been a lot more emotional you know than the standard fare we get from other board chairmen so I just wanted to start by just getting your immediate reaction to the news and you know how that has evolved since you know over the over the days.
1: So um, firstly obviously the New Zealand tour got cancelled and you um... As any cricket fan, and also because I work in the, in this industry as well, we have this media group where you get toss information uh, as soon as it happens. You get the toss information and all right. So the match was supposed to start at 2:30, and uh, as soon as like uh, it was around two, I was on my phone uh, waiting for the what uh, WhatsApp messages like the, the phone to buzz that like what's going on. So what I see is that I I have got a lot of messages from my friends and cricketing certain that something's up. Something's fishy um, and maybe there's a COVID case. Maybe um, there are security concerns. Then I opened Twitter because that's what we usually do. The first thing, the first news we need to get is what we will go to Twitter and uh, we look for information. So I opened Twitter and uh, there are various like um, comments from journalists as well um, who work in Pakistan and who were actually present at the venue as well at that time in Rawalpindi uh, that something's up. Uh, the players haven't been in the ground uh, and there is news that they might not just leave the hotel uh, to begin with like at all. So that automatically uh, made everything suspicious, like, like, what's up? Uh, One or two people were like, there there are security concerns. And, you know, um, everybody's heart started beating like faster that if it's a security concern and, uh, you know, our history with uh, all of this and how we've like tried to um, overcome all these hurdles all these years since 2009. So a security concern would be the last thing we want to hear um, from anybody right now. Even if a Pakistani is telling us that there's a security concern, that's huge, you know um so we're trying to subside that we're like no 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 it's not a security concern it has to be something uh, related to covid because that's the more uh, appropriate like um, stuff that's going on around it, it can't be security eventually the news breaks that it is security uh, new zealand um new zealand's government has advised them to move back uh, to the country they, they, they can't be in pakistan anymore so it was obviously very heartbreaking at that particular time uh, it, it it it's it, the, the immediate reaction was that okay are we screwed again? Like, like what's up? Uh, my first thought was that um, New Zealand uh, has uh, come up with this security thing. The next tour is England. And honestly, like, this, nothing nothing else. Like, what happened? What, what went wrong? My initial re- reaction was the England tour will not take place either because now that right. the New Zealand cricket board has come up with this security concern, we cannot expect England to come to Pakistan either uh, because that will be really difficult for England to, uh, you know, uh, say that this this fear was just uh, something in the moment and it won't happen when England come over and even Australia for that matter. So right. yeah, the, the initial reaction was, we are screwed, like big time. If And we were waiting for the initial PCB statement as well. Uh, and to our surprise, it was a unilateral decision by the New Zealand uh, cricket board um, on on the advice of their government. So yeah, on the first day, it was more like, everything is like now back to square one, maybe, and uh, uh, things won't maybe get normal again anytime soon. And like, what's going to happen? So as the days progressed, um, I think uh, the general sentiment then changed to obviously human lives are paramount. And maybe the New Zealand cricket board were um, took the right decision. Um, obviously, they, they wanted to secure lives of their players as well. But um, after a few days, um, and a lot of discussions were happening in uh, Twitter spaces as well, and uh, a lot of articles were coming out, and as you mentioned, Ramiz Raja, the chairman, uh, his initial reactions as well, that maybe uh, the only thing New Zealand could have done was shared information uh, about what happened, like what went down, what what threat was it, and what made them come to the conclusion that they had to abandon the entire tour and they could not move ahead. You know, because maybe if they would have shared, the threat could have been mitigated. Maybe, you know, obviously, uh, these are all assumptions. We don't know what the threat was. We don't know, like, what went down. But um, as people were discussing stuff, like, even I, on a very, like, um, basic, like, level of understanding, my reaction was the same. That maybe they could have shared it. Maybe the government could have mitigated the threat. And OK, the first uh, the first ODI uh, could have been a bad uh, forfeited or maybe it could have been postponed as well. Uh, yeah. And the, we could have saved uh, Pakistan cricket from this domino effect, which would uh, follow. Right. So, right. yeah, this was the initial reaction. And um, then obviously, you know, the England news came like what, four, four five days back? Um, six yeah. days back now. Yeah. Mm-hmm and that was more surprising like they, they had this absurd sort of statement stitched together where yeah. you know you can't like pinpoint like what exactly what exactly are they talking about like is it security is it the player mental health fatigue what is it right. like what what's stopping them from traveling to pakistan so yeah the new zealand thing still made sense like you know okay there was a security threat maybe the th- maybe things could have been handled in a more uh, particular manner. Maybe things could have been hand, handled at a better uh, pace. But the England uh, statement threw everyone off. And as you mentioned, Artif gave this statement as well. It was betrayal. Uh, they, we Artif conducted this space right in the moment when uh, the ECB uh, published this statement that they won't be um, touring Pakistan. Um, and we had this <laughs> Twitter space where everybody was chiming in uh, with their ideas that, look, we did so much for English cricket, English cricket. I mean, and I know all of this has been said a lot in the past, in in this past week or so, but the more we say it, I think the more uh, impact it might have because England right now, the ECB is tone deaf. Um, Their players have come out, uh, uh, Michael Atherton, um, everybody, like so many articles are coming out as well. And even today, a lot of development happened today as well. Uh, that the player um, union did not stop ECB um, from... Like, they did not tell the ECB that they won't travel to Pakistan. It was ECB's decision. Whereas ECB initially said that it's the players union uh, that has uh, put forward this request that they can't handle fatigue right now. They want some uh, break from all of this traveling. So yeah, it's right in front of you. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, And and I know um, conspiracy theories are... um, there for the taking. There are a lot of conspiracy conspiracy theories uh, revolving around this whole situation. I won't dive into that, but right. somewhere down the line, somewhere down the line, you know, yeah, as a neutral fan, you know, even if if you take this as a very neutral uh, situation, you you do think that you know w- what is going on. Like what? W- at what point can we uh, raise a finger that maybe this was the this was the point where things started going haywire? Or maybe this was the thing that put everything off. But as a cricket fan, I think it's difficult to say like what went, what went wrong or what the Pakistan Cricket Board didn't do correctly for all of this to happen.
2: No, I was just saying, and in the interesting part about the England withdrawal, I mean, to your point, I completely agree. That was way more frustrating than New Zealand. Um, because clearly New Zealand had the intention of playing. They were already there. They had done their quarantine and all of that. But one of the statements that stood out to me was the British ambassador um, to Pakistan saying our travel policy has not changed at all. Our direction has not changed at all, which made it clear that it was not related to a safety concern at all. And then, as you said, the players weren't involved as well. And um, one of the statements that came out from uh, Uh, Ebony, Rainford, Brent was, you know, there's so many players who are just dying for a chance, like they could have at least put together a second 11. It does not matter if, you know, the main players are fatigued, we get that they've been in a bubble for a while, but at least a second 11 would just get a chance to play. And that would have been just so much easier for both Pakistan as well as for, you know, players who are waiting for a chance.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that, that's the uh, frustrating part, um, as far as the England tour is concerned, because uh, the England woman team uh, was supposed to visit Pakistan for the very first time. And this, this opportunity would have been huge, like in terms of a lot of things. Um, and we've missed out on that. I mean, maybe we'll reflect further whenever, like, when we move forward in the uh, podcast, Uh, that how Pakistan were preparing for the um, ODI World Cup qualification thing. And uh, this tour would have helped them uh, make a a lot of adjustments to the squad. Uh, A lot of players would have gained the confidence of playing against England. Um, So for me personally, I feel the women's tour was more important than the men's tour. And maybe ECB could have, you know, gone forward with at least the women's tour, if not the men's tour. Um, and at that point, like when the statement came out and the entire player fatigue thing came out, I mean, at that particular moment, my first thought process was, that okay, fine, maybe the men's team was under a lot of pressure. They were under, under a lot of bubbles, but maybe it was important for the uh, English women uh, to tour Pakistan because it, would, it was historical at, like on so many accounts. So that was more frustrating for me.
0: I I really want to focus on the immediate aftermath of the announcements, right? Because ultimately, the people who are most affected by this, apart from the players themselves are the fans, you know, we've talked, uh, uh, you know, we've talked to people before about the lack of cricket, uh, international cricket in Pakistan. And obviously, teams have been coming over the past few years, on and off. uh, But this was going to be a big Thing you know you have top two top teams even if they're not necessarily full strength it was going to be something really good for the fans to come into the stadium and watch at a at a very depressing time in the world um, so when the announcements came out there was just um, I knew that the response was going to be one of disappointment but I was not anticipating the amount of anger. And frustration as well, you know, not just the fans, but you know, Ramiz Raja gave out some really passionate statements, and even the players, uh, we saw Hafiz, you know, tweeting out this video of the players uh, heading to the airport. So, I- I'm trying to understand why uh, has the response been so strong? Like, why is it so, you know, why is it so emotional at this point? Is I guess I'm trying to ask.
1: Um, So, uh, as you've like uh, mentioned this as well, that uh, teams were touring Pakistan, but um, maybe as a fan, as a cricket lover, we want to see the bigger teams, you know. I I mean, obviously, the big three, New Zealand, um, England, these are the bigger teams. I'm not taking anything away from Zimbabwe, South Africa, West Indies, or any Bangladesh for that matter, Sri Lanka for that matter. But, you know, the importance of these tours because uh, once New Zealand would have toured, uh, had a complete tour of Pakistan they would have put in the word um, to Australia as well and even uh, they would have gone back and told England the same that look we had a great time everything was fine uh, there's no reason for people to you know uh, think on the lines that Pakistan is maybe not a safe country anymore everything is in place um, for a full fledged tour to take place so as a fan I think we were looking forward to that as well that you know and i'll tell you this uh, one thing uh, we were we were having this twitter space the betrayal one with atif okay so there's this fan who comes up on the mic and he goes that look i, I have a very simple wish uh, is it too much to ask for that we want to see kane williamson playing in our grounds we want to see steve smith playing in our grounds we want um, the likes of joe root to play in our grounds like is it too much to ask for um and i said this somewhere else as well that an average cricket fan in Pakistan has not got the finances to travel the world, like, you know, not everybody's privileged enough to have that amount of money. Uh, so, for example, the ICC Cricket World Cup is happening next month. So, not all of us can afford uh, to go to the UAE and support Pakistan. We Not everyone had the finances to support Pakistan uh, in the ODI World Cup in the UK. Majority of fans did travel, but, you know, the, the average fan... They 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 want to see people uh, players performing in our own backyard, you know that. And it's it's a very simple wish. Like it's not too much to ask for. Um, we've waited a long time. Um, we've done the hard steps, you know. Um, since two thousand nine, things started. Um, Twenty fifteen was the first time Zimbabwe uh, visited Pakistan. It was the first international tour since the two thousand nine incident, right? Um, and when Zimbabwe was here to play the ODIs. We had houseful. Like I, I don't remember uh, Gaddafi Stadium being empty from any corner. People were starved. People wanted to uh, back uh, their cricketing uh, heroes as well uh, in that particular uh, in that particular bilateral series. So you know, it's it's more like you want your players to perform against the best, um, right. and you want your players to uh, show their caliber as well. We've had our set of heroes who used to play in Pakistan in front of home crowds. And you know the home advantage is huge. Uh, right. We can't take take out the uh, benefits of a home crowd. So yeah, maybe that that is one reason why everybody was so passionate. And the other one uh, is clearly when uh, England needed us last year uh, uh, during the pandemic when nobody was like traveling anywhere, Pakistan and West Indies were the two teams who um, almost... Uh, pulled out England out of their mess. Like they were having this right. financial crisis and Pakistan and West Indies raised their hands that yeah, like, okay, fine. We'll take the risk. There were no vaccines at that time. There was a lot of uncertainty. Like right now in 2021, there's still some certainty, right? In, back, in 2020, there was no certainty, no vaccines, right. no nothing. The, the biosecure bubbles were much tougher uh, to handle as well. So I think on those lines as well, the Pakistan average Pakistani fans like, dude, we did so much for the English board. The least they could do was send their team down. And and uh, the funny part is that the English men's team was supposed to stay here for just four days, right? In and out, like two, two T20s. It, was, it wasn't it was like we were, we were keeping them hostage for the entire right. year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were just having them for four days, right? Um, so yeah, it, it does hurt, you know, it does hurt. And you can like, I know... It's difficult for somebody who's not a Pakistani uh, to relate completely with how we feel. Uh, you, you, a lot of people are lucky enough to have uh, international cricket at their home, um, but as a Pakistani, it does hurt at times. That you know, why are we being treated like that? Like no other country does get treated like that as badly as we do. So that that was the general sentiment the day England announced the statement. And
2: and I think the one thing I'll add is. I was reading a little more details after this news came out and some of the things that the ECP did even during 2020 was ridiculous like they promised that Pakistan would be in quarantine at the Hyatt in Birmingham a really nice hotel and then in the end like there was some logistical issue and they ended up quarantining at a travel lodge outside of Derby. So like there were some basic very 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 strange issues which I almost wonder if you know that happened to Australia or India, would they have cared? Like they would have probably said, "Oh well, you know, f this. Like we're just not going to tour." Like that might have been their reaction. But Pakistan players like went through that, did not you know, did not budge in spite of that, and then continued playing. And I and I understand that at the end of the day, they also get their you know, uh, they also make their money that way. But uh, for it to happen uh, there, then apparently there were some similar incidences in New Zealand as well. And then this yeah. to be the response, you know, all of that, I feel that really, really adds
1: up. It does, you know, uh, you've like put this really nicely that, um, okay, fine, money is one part, financial uh, gain is one part, but obviously players did risk their lives as well. You know, uh, as I said, there was a lot of uncertainty in 2020. Um, we Nobody was sure like what's going on, what will happen. And um, during that time, if, a lot of uh, like uh, the media houses have also mentioned this, that it was uh, the uh, the pandemic was at its height in the UK at that particular time when West Indies and Pakistan toured especially. So, you know, um, at the, there are times when you think that financial gains is one thing, but you, human life is paramount. And we've seen that, you know, recently uh, the uh, England-India test uh, got cancelled uh, and uh, mm. the, the reasons were very obvious that uh, COVID had uh, hit the Indian camp and uh, things got uncertain as well. So, you know, there are times when financial gains have to be put on one side and human lives have to be considered. But in case of this, uh, the tour which England have forfeited uh, or abandoned um, I don't, I still don't know like what has happened. Have they abandoned it? Is it forfeited? Like what's the status? And uh, it's funny that uh, Ramiz also mentioned this, that the English uh, chairman, uh, English cricket board chairman he's missing. Like I I don't know like what's his stance right now. He's missing from the picture. So uh, and uh, uh, today Michael Atherton's article uh, came out as well and even he was like, uh, the Pakistan tour was supposed to take place for four days and the English uh, cricket board chairman has been missing from five days now. So it's it's taken him longer to stay invisible than the, the actual tour as well. So that that's mind boggling, you know.
0: You know, uh... So let me give my perspective as a neutral sure. uh, yeah. in this situation. You know, when I first heard the news, uh, like New Zealand pulling out because of security concerns, my immediate reaction was, well, they have appropriate personnel, you know, the security team on the ground, they know what's going on. It was like, okay, it makes sense. You know, they obviously made some sort of evaluation that says that there's a danger to the New Zealand team. You know, they had they did what they had to do. But everything since then that's come out has just been, you know, again, we're not gonna dive into the conspiracy theories and I'm not gonna give any, you know, more ammo to that. Um, But just based on what we've heard, if that is true, it seems ridiculous that, you know, based on a couple of emails, um, I mean, I would think as a part of uh, your job as a security team, you would evaluate if this is a hoax or, you know, something really legitimate. And to pull out an entire, you know, cancel an entire tour, cause a lot of financial losses to an already struggling cricket board, you know, you have to evaluate all of that. And in the England case, it's even more, you know, it's even worse. Like you said, I think everyone was kind of anticipating that because they were having this using the same uh, security team, I think, you know, both England and New Zealand. So when England canceled, it was not a big surprise, but the reasoning given was just: "Wait, now you've suddenly realized, you know, the bubble life is hard. After all, the teams have come to England, and like you know, India spent three months. You know, everyone fixates on the fact that they cancelled or pulled out of the last test, but they forget that the Indian the Indian team were in England for three months. They went an entire month without playing so that they could satisfy whatever requirements they had. So, Pakistan, West Indies, um." India to an extent, they all made these sacrifices. If England had conveyed the same concerns as New Zealand did, saying "Oh, it's a security concern," you could at least understand that. Uh, but to give a kind of a vague issue that players were not comfortable, and then the players come out and say, or the you know the representation, they come out and say, "Well, they never never really <laughs> consulted about this." It, it just puts an ugly mess on it. And I think at this point, I think it's fair to say that most. Neutrals uh, around the world, they don't understand why. Uh, it, there's still a lot of vagueness surrounding the pullouts and the withdrawals. And to an extent, we can understand, um, even if we cannot identify with it, we can definitely understand the frustration. Because I think, you know, in India, if something similar happened, I think we would <laughs> feel the same. So I don't know what needs to be done. To prevent this from happening because like Ramiz raised a good point saying, what, what is there to prevent someone else down the road from just saying, like on the eve of a, a series, to say, oh, you know, we got a security concern, and then just pull out and again cause a lot of you know financial losses. And and he's put a lot of pressure, I feel, on the Pakistan team to say, well, now you go out and be the best. That's the best way to prove it. Um, so what is your take on? Ramiz Rajas handling, of, You know, he just became the chairman recently, and you know, this is the first thing that he's had to deal with. Uh, how do you think he has handled this whole issue so far?
1: I think right now nobody would want to be in Ramiz's shoes. Um, I mean, he just like started his tenure and everything has gone like it's it's a huge mess right now. Nothing is yeah. like um, going as he might have planned or he would have thought uh, like, okay, fine, I'm sitting on this chair. Everything's going to be, uh, you know, easy peasy for me. Uh, and unfortunately, it has been the entire opposite of what he thought. I think um, when Ramiz, uh put out these statements, these really passionate statements that um Pakistan have to be the number one team so everybody would come back to Pakistan and they won't deny playing Pakistan I think that that's an over, like that's a hyperbole like, uh, yeah. Pakistan were the number one test team as well at one point and still we were playing our tests in UAE it, it wasn't like teams were coming to Pakistan um, we, we, we were the number one T20 team as well um, and it's not like we were playing our T20s in Pakistan so that that's like that's a different approach he's taken to this entire thing and, and I also don't agree with him on this part where he says that it's do or die for the Pakistan cricket team when they uh, face uh, India, then they, they have to face New Zealand. Uh, and also, he's added England to this whole thing now that uh, we have to beat these teams now to prove uh, our worth. I think this, it's undue, unnecessary pressure on the players. They're already uh, under a lot of pressure. They already would have a lot of thoughts on what has gone down in, in this past week or 10 days or so. So I think yeah. this is unnecessary pressure on the players. Obviously, it's not like I don't want or the Pakistani nation doesn't want the cricket team to do well at the World Cup. <laughs> but it's it's not at the expense of like, we can't like instill uh, some, this notion in them that, you know, you have to beat India. What happens if you don't beat India at the World Cup? And considering <laughs> our history in World Cups with India, so, you know, um. The, he's, he's putting a lot of undue pressure. This is what I feel. Maybe somebody would like to disagree with uh, dis- disagree with me on this uh, and side with Ramiz on what, what he's doing at the moment. But I personally feel this is undue pressure on the team.
0: One good point he did raise and a few others echoed too was there needs to be a long-term fix for this, right? Because right now, the way things are going, they're the big three. Um, Australia, England, and India are really like the powerhouses um, in international cricket and have a lot of sway over everything, really. Um, So the way we see it right now, the way things are going, Australia and England will continue to play each other thanks to the Ashes. You know, India has been a powerhouse for so long and their fans all over the world will ensure that they bring revenue. Um, And New Zealand, because of their current cricketing strength are also, I think, pretty safe. Uh, But really, every other team is really at the mercy of these three boards, Australia, England, and India. Um, How do we redress the balance right now? From the perspective of some teams, like teams like Pakistan, West Indies, South Africa, is there, do you see a way to kind of redress the balance so that it's a more equitable game and not just you know, it's the big three and then the rest?
1: I think it's pretty clear. It's the big three versus the rest. Like, I don't see things changing anytime soon. Um, I don't know. I I need to put this to you guys as well, that what's the role of ICC in all of this? Like, we know the International Cricket Council exists and that's it. Like, they don't intervene when they really have to. Um, And it's unfortunate uh, that we don't see any intervention from the ICC on these matters i think icc needs to play a very vital role in fixing stuff but i don't like i'm not sure how they they, they should approach this they there were uh, there were certain talks about creating an asian block as well um, where sri lanka pakistan and you know maybe they were even trying to add West Indies into this uh, and they wanted Bangladesh and all these teams, uh, which are obviously not the big three, they want to have like a stronger Asian bloc, which can go forward and compete with the big three as well. So, I don't know. It, it's I think it's further going to divide the game rather than uniting, right. um, uniting nations up. Uh, this is my personal opinion. And I think something needs to be done somewhere. We need to draw a line uh, to fix all of this. Maybe, uh, my uncle, you, you tell me, like, what do you feel? How, how can, where's the magic wand? Like, where, 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 how do we fix all of this?
2: I wish there was a magic wand, but I think uh, I, I will say that the challenges that the ICC faces are not necessarily new to um, what any sporting body around the world does. And I, I mean, if you look at soccer, we've, we've seen you know uh, Barcelona and some of the bigger teams saying we're going to start our own whatever champions league Uh, and you know they got a lot of backlash for that but the bottom line was they were very close to doing that because they just knew that they had the financial backing to do it. and you know similar issues have happened with FIFA which was notoriously corrupt for a number of years yeah but they really had to follow the money they had to pay attention to that and and uh, unfor- it's un- unfortunate that, you know, sport runs uh, that way, but that is how it is. And I, I think the realistically, the only way forward is to expand the game past these, you know, 10, 12, 14 teams. And, and I think in that sense, the ODI Super League, as well as the potential inclusion in the Olympics becomes even more key. Because with the Olympics, if T20 gets in, um, you know, becomes a sport which becomes popular in, let's say, as a start, just say 30 nations instead of, uh, and I know 105 nations technically play it even now, but it's not necessarily popular in 105 nations. It's, it's really played by a niche group. So. Um, I think if it becomes you know fairly popular in 30 nations, then that money gets starts getting up divided, money starts coming in every corner of the world, and then the say of the big three decreases. And and especially I, I think we cannot stress enough how the country that Benny and I are in can can make a difference because US has a lot of money and a lot of money in sports so if a country like US steps up and and actually is able to do that over let's say you know 15 years then you know 15 years down the line having a Australia England India block will be will be very very tough because of the money that US can bring in and if let's say US has good ties with Pakistan, for example, and it often plays here. Even if the quality of cricket is still not up to the mark, it'll still have enough fans and enough money that the ICC will have to pay attention to That's a fair
1: point.
0: Yeah, Cr- cricket is such an insular sport. Like Mike was saying, that compared to other sports, um, cricket is so protected. Right? Like they want they they have the ideas. Right? They want to expand the game. They want to take the game to other countries. But when it comes to actually putting the money where the mouth is, or the mouth where the money is—one of those things. Um, they don't do it, you know. They kind of hesitate um, to do the actual thing that needs to be done, um, and I feel that is really self-interest at play, um, because obviously there are these boards that have so much control; they have so much power over how international cricket is run, and let's. Face it, ICC can only do so much because ultimately ICC is still controlled. I feel by the top three board, uh, top three boards in the game, which makes it hard to really bring about any quick fixes. I feel it's going to take a, a long time. So to really to bring some sort of equity among all the test playing nations, let's just stick to them first. Uh, there has that control has to be broken up. The unfortunate thing is money. You know, money talks, and ultimately, whoever has the most money, they have the most power. That's the way it is structured right now. Um, But you know, recently, when all of this was going down, and when people raised the issue of you know this imbalance between all the cricketing nations, uh, my mind went back to 1996. You know, um, prior to that, England and I think to an extent Australia, where the ICC or you know they were in charge of the game, India did not have much of a say, and I think. Uh, the story goes that Jagmohan Dalmia, who was the BCCI president at that time, he was not treated well when he was in England, or something like that. And uh, he 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 made you know he was so intent on changing that balance. And I don't know enough details about how he managed to do that. But the thing is, when Jagmohan Dalmia was president of the board, that's when things changed for the Indian Cricket Board. And eventually, India had equal, if not the most power (laughs) in the running of the game worldwide. Um, So I think something similar has to happen. But also to complement that, I'm going to partially agree with Ramiz Raja that performances do matter. Like, you know, we talked about India, India, for all their money, ultimately, they still needed to bring the fans into the game, they needed to bring the star quality. The fact that India is one of the top teams in all all, all formats of the game helps a lot because everyone knows that, okay, when India comes to play, the fans will come, the money will come, the TV rights will come. And for something like that to happen, the unfortunate thing is other teams have to get better, which I think is unfair that team performance shouldn't be the determinant of, you know, how much sway they have at the table. but the, I feel like that's one of the things that needs to change is really the teams themselves improving their performance and having enough sway to influence some sort of
2: changes.
1: But yeah, but have, for that, sorry, go I'll, on, go on. Sorry, uh,
2: I'm not b- before you respond, I, I, I'll disagree with you slightly. And the reason for that is back in 2014, India was test team number seven. That's when Virat Kohli took over from uh, MS Dhoni. And around that time, there was a proposal of a two-tier test system. And you know, the BCCI and ACB and ECB being what they are, they just overruled that. And they said, well, well, we don't really care about a two-tier structure where you know six teams play in each, or eight teams, whatever, because India was close to the bottom. So in spite of not being the most consistent performer, they just had this power where you know, that, that overruled what they did on the field. Because remember back in 2011, and so we just kept going abroad and losing, you know, straight games, especially in test cricket. So I don't necessarily buy that too much. I I do understand that being a point where, you know, cricket fans might say, hey, let's, we must play Pakistan because they're an incredible side. Uh, The calendar will just feel weird if we don't play the number one side. I, I get that, but that's, I don't know how much influence that actually puts on the administration, administrators.
1: Yeah, I think I, I wanted to um, add on the same lines as what Mayank is saying. And, you know, every team would improve only when they're playing the other team as well. It's not like, you know, uh, we, we can't play India and then we expect our players to have that um, growth as well at the same time. For example, we need to play New Zealand and India, the number one and number two test team in the world right now. And how do we expect to improve if we if we, if we won't play them, you know? We have to play India which we can't um any fan would die for a Virat Kohli and a Shaheen Shaafidi um um competition right now or a Babar Azam versus Bumrah competition uh, it, at the highest level that is test cricket and we're not getting that we get that no. one-off game in an ICC event uh, which happens four years um apart and um, that's not done right so I know there are a lot of uh, other factors involved in uh, Pakistan and India not playing. Um, and we all know the obvious reasons as well. But as as uh, as, a dis- as the discussion we're having right now, I just feel that uh, it's important that the ice breaks at some point and um, Pakistan and India get to play cricket as well. So, you know, when every team would play every other team, only then you can expect um, the performances to improve. You can't expect um, Pakistan to... Um, or oh, for that matter, any other team. I, I'm not just like saying, uh, I'm not just talking about Pakistan, but the other teams as well. So yeah, that's my point of view on this.
0: Fair point. I, I, I just don't, I mean, we can talk from the perspective of fans about what needs to change, but um, ultimately ICC has to step up. I, I don't know how or who is going to do it. Um, but something like just a security evaluation and stuff. If ICC had appointed an independent arbitrator, an independent security evaluation that the boards would abide by whatever they responded, this it would be so much more transparent. It would lead to you know less heart you know heartburn and all this communication issues. If the ICC went ahead and said, okay, this is a credible threat, i don't think the pakistan board or fans would have had as much an issue as this was done um but the fact that new zealand took this decision and then would not say what is the actual threat which led to all the conspiracy theories uh same thing with england just this vague statement which is not even backed by their own players
1: let's let's not forget uh, i'm sorry i'm cutting you off we just need to add this one one uh, bit as well um you remember what happened like five days ago when there was a news that um, the New Zealand women's team um, oh, just yeah. faced the threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And um, uh, it's okay because the ECB have looked into the matter as well and everything is mm-hmm. fine. Uh, nothing's being called off or there's no panic or anything, right? So that made the average Pakistani fan even more furious. That, right. dude, no. what's going on? Like, uh, or are, are there uh, dual standards for the women and the men's team? Or uh, is that what the the New Zealand government is trying to imply by not cancelling that uh, particular ODI uh, under the circumstances that threats did arise? Um, And uh, you mentioned this um, at an earlier stage of the podcast that, you know, the New Zealand cricket board and the government are better off understanding if it was a hoax, the emails, were they like even a, a... a set to be considered or it was just something that you know uh, they they had to have a better understanding of and this is what happened during the uh, the women's tour that they said that oh actually those phone calls were nothing uh, they were just made they, it was a hoax and you know we, we just need to like move on with the game so yeah. it makes you wonder, like, like what's going on? <laughs> and um, so obviously a Pakistani cricket fan would would get more furious by the day when such, such uh, headlines come out as well. And the timing of it was <laughs> astonishing.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah, no, there's no easy answers, no easy solutions for this. So all we can do is be hopeful and optimistic that someone who has power, someone has the authority to change things, can step up
2: yeah i think we've we've talked about pakistan quite a bit so i want to talk about the other uh, really important issue that's coming up which is afghanistan and another really talented country which is producing so many good players and you know they're performing in all all kinds of t20 uh, tournaments around the world are in a spot where they can't play because of reasons outside of the cricket and Um, you know, Australia was the one-off test that they were going to play. Tim Payne came out and said, you know, I don't know if this is the right situation to play. And I guess I don't really know where I stand on this, to be honest, but uh, one of the good questions that I heard somebody raise was, what does not playing Afghanistan do? Because apart from, you know, a moral standpoint saying, hey, we're not playing with a country that's run by the Taliban, it's not necessarily doing anything for their players. It's not necessarily doing anything apart from just a stand, which you know may not even be something that the Taliban is worried about. Um, so I'll, I'll throw that question to you, Anam, first.
1: So I think uh, we all remember that um, Afghanistan were awarded the full um, membership status in 2017. And even at that time, they did not have a women's team, right? Um, which they still do not have. But what has changed is obviously when Taliban took over, they've just like bluntly said that no women, no sports. Like women cannot participate in any sort of sports and particularly cricket as well because they're supposed to cover their head, they're supposed to cover their face and whatnot. Um, um, so yeah, this is one thing which is which can't be controlled by anybody right now. Nobody can influence the Taliban and nobody can like tell them what to do. Um, I, I don't know. For me, I think... Um, if Australia are taking this stance that um, they will not go ahead and play the test match. I don't know, somewhere I feel maybe this is the right approach as well, although this will not impact the Taliban. uh, Nothing will change in Afghanistan. But if ICC has put forward these rules, um, then then somewhere they have to follow these rules as well, right? Um, And even to begin with in 2017, they bent their own rules to accommodate Afghanistan, uh, which, which was a which was a powerful move as well at that time. But I think um, the meeting, uh, which is supposed to take place in November, the ICC uh, members meeting, that would be very crucial um, for the future of Afghanistan, Um if what 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 needs to be done and how how the ICC approach this matter in particular, I know the players are not at fault. Nobody is at fault. Again, it's a similar situation. Obviously, it's not. I can't compare it with what happened in Pakistan, where the board and the players were not at fault, but the tours got cancelled. It's something at a more um, what should be the word like it's 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 a more alarming situation in Afghanistan. Lives are at stake. Um, things are. Things are really disturbing. The news which comes out of Afghanistan is disturbing. But um, then the certain rules which ICC has put forward need to be considered as well, is what my take is on this.
0: I agree wholeheartedly with you because um, there are so many things bigger than cricket, <laughs> you know, and you cannot just ignore all of that. Um, and the fact is, the ICC needs to establish consistency, you know. Uh, You talked about them bending the rules and someone tweeted the other day um, that ICC were very quick to suspend Zimbabwe when they had some issues with their board. So why are they still allowing the Afghanistan men's team to play when they're obviously like, even though it's issues outside of their control, the very fact that they have a rule that if you're not allowing, you know, if you don't have a women's team or if you don't have a structure in place, then you can't play. Um, So keeping that in mind, If we if we were to be very strict, if we were to go strictly by the rules that the ICC themselves have established, I would, you know, I would, I would just say, well, they should not be playing men's cricket as hard as it is, and as hard as it is for fans not to watch the Afghanistan team, especially when they're, you know, developing to be this genuine threat, at least in T20 internationals. uh, The fact is there are bigger things than cricket. I'm not saying that this is going to change anything. <laughs> you know, Like I said, yeah. the Taliban are not going to be like, oh, they're not letting us play uh, international cricket at all. Well, fine, we'll let the women play cricket. They are not going to do that. Uh, nothing that anybody uh, is going to say or rule on is going to make the Taliban change their view that women should not play sports at all. Uh, yeah. So all that can be done really is, you know, the ICC has to just, they either have to change that rule or just remove that rule completely or go buy it because it may be Afghanistan today. It may be another country at a, at a different time. So right now, I would say it's more important for ICC to enforce those rules. And you know the, 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 the Afghanistan players still, the men, the men at least, they can play in T20 leagues around the world. You still get to see Rashid Khan and all the different T20 leagues he's playing right now. So we're not necessarily gonna lose out on that. But if the ICC were to establish this or stick by this very, very strict precedent that they have established, it will deter other teams from other issues, not necessarily something similar to what's going on in Afghanistan right now, but even you know any other issues of corruption or any other mismanagement, if the ICC can say, well, we are gonna be very strict about it and not let you do this, um, ultimately overall, that's gonna be beneficial. I mean, th- that's just, it's not a good, you know, circumstance. But yeah, it's just a very sad story overall, uh, what's going on in Afghanistan. But from a cricketing perspective, um, the ICC has to establish their power, you know, uh, their credibility in this situation.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that we're again expecting ICC to do something, um, uh, you know, um, but I think uh, in this matter, maybe uh, they'll surprise all of us and come to a conclusion um, and you know, make a decision. Let's see how that goes. Because I think they're still waiting for the uh, World Cup to get over. Um, and they want, obviously, they want Afghanistan to participate in the World Cup. Um, so I think once the World Cup is done, everything will get more uh, clearer uh, in front of all of us that what is the ICC thinking and like what what will happen in the future. So yeah.
2: And, and I guess I, I agree with both of you on, on the fact that, you know, there are things which are bigger than cricket, but What's interesting is uh, recently the, the well, I should say, forman, formerly women's development manager for Afghanistan cricket, uh, Yutuba Sangar, she, uh, she escaped to Canada and she was giving an interview to BBC. And her thought was, well, why stop the men from playing? Because those are the people that we saw and we got inspired to play. And I don't see the point of uh, that. So that was a very interesting perspective. I, again, as I said, I don't really know where I stand on this one, but uh, but it, it's very interesting to see that the women are actually saying, hey, let the men play, because that's how we developed our interest. That's what we saw, and we started making our own team, and that's how we started, you know, um, having local girls play. Uh, so it's interesting because it, we have to sort of balance the two things, and I, one of the things that came to my mind, and again, not similar situation, but um you know with the russia and the olympics there was a situation where they played under you know without their flag and without their uh, team name maybe that's a, an option to consider maybe just have afghanistan men play but under um, you know the general kind of cricket country flag or whatever i don't know how to name it but but essentially have them not be able to represent their flag and, and that way Um, it's still a message that's going on while still allowing the players to play.
1: It will be interesting to see uh, what flag do they come up with at the uh, World Cup um, because obviously there will be a flag. So that would be interesting as well. Well, Ultimately,
0: the way I see it, and this may be an extreme reaction to it, but won't it be like the Afghanistan team if they continue to play, it's almost like an endorsement uh, or recognition of the Taliban as a credible government um, in Afghanistan, so I, I I don't know. I I just feel there are more downsides than upsides to this.
1: You yeah. I, I think um, as Mayang said that maybe it's difficult to comment on this right now or take right. sides because it's too confusing um, and maybe we're taking one side and the icc comes up with something else and then we'll all, all of us would be like no this also ha- this could have also happened so you know it's difficult to take a side right now um, and um, let's see how things like fall out i think for afghanistan
0: I, I think one of the best things that they can do in this situation is to have a dialogue with the senior afghanistan players because they're the ones you know on the ground they know what's you know what's going on uh, the the ground reality you know the situation uh, so if the ICC can have a dialogue with the Afghanistan players like, you know, the Rashid Khans and the Mohammed Nabis and, you know, I think that would be the best way forward to figure out what comes next. Uh, but again, I feel like we're expecting too much from the ICC. Okay, so another issue that came up in what already has been a very very busy week was the MCC's decision uh, to adopt the gender neutral term of batter um, in place of batsman. And like most things these days, uh, you know what seems to be a straightforward decision uh, has had its fair share of detractors. You know uh, the MCC did make this uh, statement that you know this decision was made uh, in keeping uh, keeping in mind the explosive growth of the women's game in recent years. Um, Do you see this change in terminology making any significant difference in how the game will be perceived by girls who might be on the fence about cricket?
1: Uh, I think, yeah, Uh, as a girl myself, I think batter is a more inclusive term than a batsman, right? And um, it does feel good that um, finally, like, something which which should have happened a long time back has finally, like, been put into rules and um, it is taking place. So I think overall as well... um, Obviously, a woman cricketer, uh, a current player who's playing would would be able to comment um, better on this issue. But personally, I feel this is this is a great move, um, and uh, I don't know the impact of uh, women's cricket. Like, how much will this impact the game at large? But at individual level, I mean, if somebody feels more included in the game with the term batter, then what's the harm? Like right. It's a very simple step which has been taken. It's not like it's taking anything away from the men's cricket. It's not like it's taking anything away from anybody else. It's just a simple term batter which, which needs to be used. And I think it, it's a great step. And I'm glad they've finally taken it because in 2017, when they suggested this, it was uh, rejected. Um, the MCC, when they first tried to um, implement this, it was rejected. So I think finally uh, this is taking place. And I don't know. We've seen um, a few uh, cases in the county as well, uh, where some some players wanted uh, a more inclusive turn as well. Um, I, I, I'm not remembering exactly, but um, there there were a few instances where um, a few players. Maybe there was a transgender player. I don't know who was playing for a woman's team. I, I am like a little confused on this, but there was something. And I think now with the term batter, I think everybody will feel more at home um, and you don't have to label yourself um, with the term batsman.
2: The funny yeah, thing I, is,
1: I think in commentary, I think it would be a little difficult to adjust because uh, uh, the commentators sure. are so used to saying batsman. Yeah. I. Witness this in women's games as well where the commentators are like batsmen they, they forget to say batswoman or batter and they're like batsmen um so i think we're too used to all of this it will take time to get implemented That's understandable yeah.
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah but but it's a step in the right direction
2: i think uh benny my mind goes back to our conversation with uh, india former cricketer ananya and I you know, remember when we were talking to her, her thought was at every point of a young girl's cricketing career, they always look up to the men. The coaches are always men. The empires are always men. Everything around them is sort of saying that, you know, they're they're just, um, you know, it's not their system. It's, it's sort of they're the outsider in the system. So any little bit that can be done to make them, feel more at home. Yeah. I think it's a welcome step. Uh, I, I saw like a couple of editorials which said, you know, this is crazy and this is, you know, uh, changing the game uh, for whatever and the good old days are gone. And, and I mean, I think all of that is just hyperbole. And really, if, if, you know, 30 years back, women were not welcome to play, were they really the good old days? I think that's what we need to ask. It's
0: all nostalgia. That's all it is. Yeah.
2: Seriously, <laughs> it's... I
1: think Piers Morgan. Pierce Morgan was very vocal about it as well. That uh, what happens to the term Night Watchman and what will happen to this and will you change that as well? So yeah, I think it's these people, the, the ones who have issues with all of this. They they're too old school and maybe they don't want um, people to feel welcome uh, in the sport. Uh, you know, already cricket is not something. Um, spread uh, all around the globe we are still right. like we we were discussing this earlier as well that it needs to be more inclusive more countries need to be included so there's no harm batter is a very harmless term which which all of us can the, the rule can of thumb
0: to. the rule of thumb is if Pier, pierce morgan thinks he's right about an issue you you can be guaranteed that it is wrong <laughs> so <laughs> um but, but yeah you think about it every other sport it, it doesn't have it doesn't come with a suffix of man you know, it's always player or a footballer. Um, So I just think this is like a losing battle to pick and it doesn't even make like a sensible fight to to pick. It's just like, okay, batsman becomes batter, you know, what is the big deal? Um, Rather than that, you know, I've been hearing or reading anecdotes about, you know, like parents actually being very happy about this because a lot of them shared stories about how like their young girls, you know, when they're trying to get them into cricket Um, their immediate thing is more like oh this is a boys thing you know they hear terms like batsman or stuff like that so it's a small thing but it makes a difference from potentially getting five younger girls to play the game from that it becomes probably like 15 20 so it's a small thing it doesn't hurt anyone but rather it actually promotes and gets more kids involved so I don't even know why this is an issue, but like most things these days, everything needs to have two
2: sides. And and what's interesting is uh, one of the historians on Twitter was mentioning how, when the game started back in the 1800s, it wasn't a batsman, it was a striker. So like, if you really care about the history of the game and all of that, you would know that it's actually a striker is what, you know, the two people in the middle are called. They're not called batters or batsmen or whatever. So I think the whole argument about, oh, the history of the game is also BS. And like with anything, you know, we, we, we all evolve in various ways and the game should as well.
1: Yeah, and also because gender discrimination is there to see. Like, there's discrimination in, at every step. Um, and um, there's, again, there's no harm if you can, like, accommodate the woman uh, in, in some sense. Uh, it's just a step. Again, um, as I said earlier, as well that it's not like uh, you're you're having a drastic change in something. It's just a simple term which has been changed from batsman to batter, so it's okay. And I really like your point, Benny, as well that um, on a on a uh, at a younger uh, level as well, when parents uh, are trying to you know cope with. So, for example, when I wanted to play cricket, I used to play cricket in my school with boys all the time. Um, and I eventually were, I was labeled as a boy myself, like. She's not a girl. She's a boy because she's playing cricket all the time. Uh, something's wrong with her. She's she's not a girl. So, you know, I, I feel, yeah, maybe it's not huge and maybe it won't have a very huge impact, but smaller steps will eventually uh, make it easier for parents and for uh, girls as well uh, that, you know, it's normal. You, you can feel normal about the whole process of playing cricket. It's it's not like it's a gentleman's game and uh, at every step, you know, you don't have to say it that way. Cricket is for everybody and anybody can play uh, regardless of their gender. So yeah, you're right. It it will help in that aspect as well. Let's talk about the
2: cricket as well. I know we've talked a lot about things outside and uh, whatever has caused, whether it's serious cancellation or our stance on, you know, Afghanistan. Um, But thanks to all these cancellations, the Pakistan women's team as well as the men's team is in a weird situation. So the men's team was supposed to play 15 T20Is before the upcoming T20 World Cup. Now that's reduced to just four thanks to some rained out games in the Caribbean and then, then, you know, just all these cancellations. Uh, Pakistan women were, uh, or England women rather, were, as you pointed out, traveling to Pakistan for the first time in history. And people forget that the women's ODI World Cup is just five months away in New Zealand. Um, so, what are your thoughts about uh, hampering their preparations? Because it feels like it impacts both of them quite a bit.
1: More than England, obviously Pakistan, because England have already qualified for the World Cup. Like there are the five teams that qualified, England is in one of them. England is one of them. Pakistan is supposed to play in Zimbabwe the World Cup qualifiers, um, which are taking place in. December, I feel, or is it November? Some In November, probably. Um, so in terms of our preparation, Pakistan's preparation, uh, this has been a huge dent um, because um, this tour would have helped uh, the coaching staff and the captain and the players as well to understand um, in a more better way that what the team combinations can be, like what team can they feel, what playing 11 would go forward, and what squad do they need to select? Um, And also, this England tour would have given them the limelight as well. I say limelight because, you know, England cricket has a huge following uh, back at home as well. Uh, There's a lot of media involved as well um, and print as well as um, the uh, TV and stuff. So I think Pakistan women have missed out on that opportunity as well, uh, where they could have been in the limelight um, and they could have learned a lot from the English team as well um, in terms of Uh, Handling such uh, pressure of uh, the media and the pressure of being in the limelight, all of this. So we've we've lost that opportunity as well where they could have learned from the English team a lot. And obviously a lot of press would have flown with the English women's team. Um, So again, um, the Pakistan women's team would have been brought into a more um, better light uh, and a better understanding of the Pakistan women's cricket would have been given to the uh, international media as well. So we've missed out on both these accounts.
0: What about the men's team? Um, You know, like Mike mentioned, you know, there was a lot of T20 internationals planned and a lot of them, combination of reasons, it hasn't worked out for them. So now heading into the World T20 and there's been a lot of chatter, oh, when Pakistan is bagged into a corner, they become this corner tiger. So obviously they're, they're favorites for the World T20 now uh how much of that is do you think is actually valid or do you think it's actually going to hamper them
1: i don't know we're wounded and we are cornered so yeah, <laughs> is, yeah. more chances <laughs> so um you know this this is uh the general consensus obviously uh, is this that yeah whenever stuff like this happens the team goes out roaring and um, we we perform our best when our uh, when our backs are against the wall uh, I don't know, like, as a wrestling cricket fan, um, although I want to, like, g- jump on this bandwagon and say, like, <laughs> all out that, yes, we are winning the World Cup no matter what and all of this, but other teams are there to play as well. Uh, it's yeah. not just us. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody's there to compete and win the World Cup. Uh, I'm not saying, uh, and don't misquote me on this, that I don't want them to win, but just the hyperbole that our walls are against the uh, our, uh, our backs are against the wall and um, we we will win the World Cup is something a little out of context.
0: <laughs> Let me just say that if any of that is close to happening, it's going to be a cracker of a World T20 tournament. It's going to be a great narrative uh, for Pakistan too, to, to come from kind of all of the off-field circumstances to win. That would be amazing. Um,
1: yeah, obviously. I mean, if, if that happens, no better narrative than that. And um, you never know. You never know uh, what Pakistan uh, cricket team uh, does uh, when they are in the UAE for the World Cup. Uh, and okay. you know this very well, that um, we are supposed to be the unpredictables, which I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't like the term uh, because I think we're done being unpredictable. We need to be consistent in what we do. But this Bacterial. is the last story... Yeah, mercurial is the word. And but <laughs> I think I, I I'm done with this. Uh, you know, um, r- you know, romanticizing all of this. Like I think I want my team to be consistent. I, I I need to know that when my team goes out to play, they will win. And it's not like it it will be a do or die situation, and everything will come down to the last ball or the last over. Yeah. And it's going to be a topsy turvy ride. So yeah, for that one, and also I'd like to just mention quickly that um, the national T Twenty Cup is happening right now, the domestic mm-hmm. competition. Um, and I think that's the only uh, probable preparation. Um, the Pakistan World Cup squad will have um before flying down to the UAE. Um, so let's see how that goes. We're into the third day today. Um, and. And also, I think we can't rule out the possibility there might be a few changes in the squad as well. Uh, the cutoff date is probably the twelfth of October um, for the World Cup squads, uh, and you never know what surprises does Ramiz like further uh, spring out of his hat, and what 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 needs what that we'll see in a few days. I think probably some some of the domestic performers might be thrown into the mix. I don't know, anything can happen.
0: So regardless, there's never a dull day in Pakistan cricket, so. That's, never never that's always been the case
1: <laughs> i think the day of, uh there's a dull moment i think we won't be like the pakistan cricket team we'll, we'll yeah. become something else yeah you'll just so be a regular team we, who wants that <laughs> nobody
0: <laughs> well and i'm on that note uh we'll, we'll wrap it up thank you so much for your time um you know obviously all of these issues are important you know we talked about pakistan afghanistan and even the change in terminology, it just affects so many different things in cricket, so many people, you know, whether directly in cricket or even outside of cricket. So, um, you know, like we kind of talked about in, in the episode, I I hope, you know, the right people, the people who have the authority and who have the power to change things uh, will step up and do it. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll wait, we'll wait and see uh, if, if those things change.
1: Yeah, wake up ICC. <laughs> you need to wake up <laughs> thank you so much for having me I, I had a great time um, and um, yeah let's do this sometime again
0: <laughs> yeah thank you so much Anam Absolutely.
1: thank you thank you Mayang thank you Benny
0: well that's it for this episode of The Last Wicket thanks again to Anam for joining us and sharing her thoughts on what is proving to be a tumultuous time in the cricket world meanwhile if you enjoyed this conversation do rate and subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes follow us on your social media feeds and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us also if you haven't yet please do us a favor and answer the survey about our podcast that is linked in the show notes thank you for listening and from all of us here at the last wicked stay safe and stay healthy